Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick Podcast with me, Michael Tinkset. We at Hospitality Mavericks are here to inspire leaders to create heart-centered and profitable businesses from the inside out, the kind that both employees and customers love and support. In this episode, I talk with Amy Ogden, the founder of The Collective in New York, and they help hospitality businesses getting matched with the best-in-class PR and brand agencies at no cost to them. Amy has more than 20 years of experience in hospitality within PR and branding and worked with some incredible companies over the years. Amy tells how the pandemic have impacted the New York hospitality market and how they are reopening and the learning she is observing within restaurants and hotels. She also tells a story about when she met Danny Meyer. Yes, you heard correct the Danny Mara in one of his restaurants and what she learned from that conversation. Amy also gives some stellar advice during the podcast when it comes to setting standards as a brand and much more. Grab headphones, notebook and enjoy. Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast. Today we are in the end of June. We have a guest from New York on the podcast today. We can't get around not talking about the pandemic, but more important, we're going to talk about how are you actually improving your storytelling and how are you actually going to be coming out of this on the other side and talk about your hospitality business, maybe in a different way than you did before. And for this purpose, I have Amy as a guest and welcome to the podcast, Amy. Thank you for having me. Is it early morning in your or is it a late morning now? It's late morning here. It's almost 11 a.m. I'm an early riser, so I've been up for about five hours at this point. Yeah, I got an email for you about five hours ago. So yeah, yeah <laughs> you you're did. an early riser. I like to do that myself as well, as we already have talked about. So that's where stuff gets done, you know. For people out there that, you know, they heard about you in the, the, the intro, but who is Amy and what is it that you're up to? Because you are, you're trying to do something new because you have had a lot of reflection during the, the pandemic. And actually you've been launching a, a couple of things, but there's definitely a couple of things we're going to touch on today. I think that's very interesting and going to put a new angle on things. But I will let you tell it yourself. Yeah. So a little bit about me. I am a 20-year veteran. I never know what word to use. I've been 20 years as a global sales leader running PR, communications, and marketing agencies, working really on the agency side with luxury travel, hospitality, and lifestyle brands. And just like everyone else in the world, I was, you know, put on pause in life when COVID hit. I do live in New York. I live in the heart of Manhattan. I live on the corner of the Friends building. I'm looking at the building right now through my window. I've lived here for four years. I moved in and I said, yeah, I live across from the Friends building. She goes, oh my gosh, you're ugly naked guy. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> it's funny. But yeah, so I'm in ground zero of what's going on in the world with COVID and coronavirus and quarantines. I posted a story on LinkedIn yesterday. I'm at 100 days of quarantine. And for those who have not had the experience of a New York apartment, unless you're a Kardashian, our apartments are very small. Even the nicest apartments in New York are not spacious. And so 100 days in a small New York apartment is is a pretty wild ride. I also got a puppy the week of quarantine that was planned. I, I planned on getting her for months. It just happened that I got her in quarantine. So it has been an adventure to say the least. But 
coming from 20 years in the agency space, working with hospitality, travel, and lifestyle brands, this gave me a lot of time to reflect. This gave me a lot of quiet and a lot of headspace and a lot of calendar space to really look at brands in the middle of this, but then also on the other side of this, and to really just really reflect on how brands have been telling their stories how they're telling them today and what it's going to look like in the future. And I guess that like, you know, this is the the only time in the hospitality industry that has been so much time to to think. If you look at New York, definitely, it, it's been looking from the outside. It's It's been tough all around the globe, but as you say, it's a ground zero for where it really happened. A lot of people looked at New York and thought that, that that's really bad. What is the biggest self-reflection you've done? And maybe there's an industry reflection as well within there. It's a really good question. I think you know, self-reflection is how are we spending the precious minutes of our lives. I really believe that we, we're just moving too fast. We've all been moving too fast. And to be given this gift, I call this permission to pause, you know, to really be given permission to pause is a beautiful thing. And I don't want to lose that. I really don't want to lose that on the other side of this. We've used the word essential a lot. And I really love that. What is essential, right? What is essential in our lives and how we spend our precious hours in how we run our business? I think we've gotten really good at adding, but we haven't gotten very good at taking things away or really looking at things and going, does this really matter? Does this make me happier? Is it impactful? Is it effective? So then looking at our brands the same way, I think, you know, we've been on a high, we are at what, a 10 year bull market and a ladder, right? Up and higher and up and higher and up and more. For the first time for many of us, this is the first time we've been pushed back, pushed down, held back, had less. As a business and a human, you just keep adding you become almost this like energy hoarder <laughs> where you're just hoarding and you're packing it all in, right? One more meeting, one more call, one more thing to do. And before you know it, you've hoarded and filled your energetic room with things that maybe don't even matter to your brand or to you as a person. And so having this permission to pause, having this opportunity to take a really deep breath and say, what is essential? And what am I going to choose to bring back in to my business, my brand, or my life on the other side of this? That's a really big question to ask. And I think the other thing that I think is very important during this is we're not going into a post-COVID world. We're going into a world with coronavirus. There is a long runway here. And so I don't want brands to look at this as before and after. I think we have a before. We're going to have a really long during and we're going to have an after. And so we're headed into the during. And that also is a mind shift and energetic shift that is important for a lot of us to really sit on and think on. In all this, you've been launching something called The Collective. Can you tell a bit more about what The Collective is all about and how it actually will support this mind shift that is needed? You know, everybody needs to change. You know, business is not going to be done as it was before. Everything is up in the air. You know, you, you almost have a, I have talked with a couple of people and you, and you start to get this feel people talk about this blank sheet of paper in front of you. You can rewrite your own journey, but also your business journey right now. You have permission to do that, which you normally wouldn't have. So true. I just keep landing on this word permission. I think not that we needed permission, but we've been granted it whether we like it or not. Permission to pause, permission to reassess, 
permission to break old models of how we did things. And that's really where the collective comes in. I've created the collective to create a solution in a space that needs it. You know, decades of experience in the agency world really has revealed a disconnect in the space. On one side, you've got brands that need best-in-class agencies to market, innovate, communicate, and grow. And then on the other side, you've got these amazing agencies that want to showcase their incredible work with top brands as their clients. And that's really where the collective comes in. I think a good way to think of me is like a matchmaker, right? Travel, real estate, lifestyle, and hospitality brands. They work with me to increase their revenue and execute their growth strategies by matching them with my group of vetted agencies and experts. And these are agencies and experts in areas like digital marketing, web, paid search, PR, social media, ambassador marketing, creative, branding. And this is where the magic really comes in. Oftentimes, when a brand needs an agency or an expert, and the brands are going to need them more than ever because you're not going to have a dollar to waste. So you need to make sure every dollar you spend is spent with a specialist that is like best in class and can zero in exactly on the activation you need to get the results you want, right? In the past, when a brand needed an agency or an expert, I saw this by being on the agency side for decades, brands would often Google and like ask a friend, you know, it's, it's hard to know exactly where to go or where to start. And I saw this happening on the brand side. And then on the agency side, you've got these amazing world-class agencies that are so good at what they do, but finding clients for agencies is actually surprisingly tricky because as an agency, you know, if you reach out to targeted potential clients, it never seems to be the right time. They're under contract. They're working with your competitor. Then that gets awkward. Like there's just so much, a lot of eggshell walking on the agency side when it comes to partnering with brands they really want to work with. This is where I can come in because I'm really taking the time. I've already had years under my belt of knowing what agencies and experts deliver on their work. So I spend the time, I do the vetting, I have the relationships, and I know who delivers. So when a hospitality brand comes to me and I go, hey, Amy, we really need a new digital marketing agency. I get the details. Tell me more about what you're looking for. I really make sure I'm clear on their goals. And then I look at my collective and I go, okay, based on what this hospitality brand is looking for, I've got a couple of digital marketing agencies within my collective. I vetted them. I know they're good. I know they deliver. I'll go ahead and match them up. It's that simple. And the brand, the hospitality brand, they never pay me a penny. This is a service that I offer at no cost to the brand. I represent the agencies, but again, these are best in class. I fully vetted them and I'm willing to put my name next to theirs. It's really clear. It's really smart and it works. It's always the, the challenge when you want to find out, do I like them? Do I know them? Do I trust them? When you want to get an expert on board, how would you work to ensure that quality ensure that because I guess your business is going to be very reliable on that. You make sure that when you hand it over, it's in a good nick to protect yourself, but also the, the, the operator, as you say, that every penny they spend in the new world, it's going to be more precious than ever. Absolutely. There's two sides to this, right? Think of it like a hotel with a concierge, right? So if you've got a hotel with a concierge, it's the concierge's job to have visited every museum, eaten at every restaurant. Like this is no different. This is me saying you don't have the time to do the homework and make sure that you spend your precious vacation hours at the best places. I've taken the time. I've done the homework. I'm going to tell you what I think you would really enjoy based on my experience, right? So first of all, you've got 
a bit of the trust me factor, but that's very valid. I have spent 20 years in this industry. I'm a global leader in what I do. I think I've earned the right to say, trust me. I'm not coming out of nowhere with this. But then also, and what I'm super excited about, this is going to take some time because I am just now launching this officially as the collective, but there's also going to be data incorporated into this. As much as the trust me factor is important, I also really believe in the power of data. When I do make a match between, say, a hospitality brand and one of my agencies within the collective, at the three-month, six-month, and one-year marks, I'm going to ask each of them to fill out a quick report card on the other. It's important to me that I'm making good matches, right? And the only way to really know that is to get feedback along the way. So over time, not only am I going to have the proven trust me factor of I've matched, you know, several brands with this agency, they've always been happy, but I'm actually going to have numbers and data to back it up. It's early days of coming or getting into the during phase that we actually start to operate. We are not in lockdown. We are maybe starting to lift restrictions around the world. We need, as you said, we need to find out how we do things. You know, you're going to be very careful about how you spend your money. Why it's important that you keep on doing the storytelling because and standing out right now, I guess that it's all about keeping your cost low as a brand. It really is. And Man, storytelling has never been more important, Michael. I believe this so wholeheartedly. Consumers, travelers, diners, anyone who would interact with your brand, they really need to hear from you right now. And they need information. And they also want to feel really secure and confident. So that's your job as a brand is to not go quiet, not go dark, be a place for information. So, you know, certainly in Manhattan, I don't want to see a pretty plate of pasta right now. I want details. I want to know we're open for outdoor service. Here's how you book. For the first time, I'm going to go to dinner on Saturday night. This will be the first time in three and a half months that I have had a meal out, which is mind boggling. You know, I was actually kind of frustrated, to be honest with you, because there are a few restaurants that I would really like to go to. I went to their Instagram. I went on to Resi, which is a really popular app here. And no place just clearly said, okay, we're open for outdoor dining. We have X number of tables. Here's how you get on a wait list or reserve. Be informational, first of all. People don't need long, beautiful stories. They need facts and details. How do I book the hotel room? How many people can I bring to a dinner? You know, do I wear a mask? all the details. So first and foremost is be a place for just facts, details, and information so that people feel confident booking or engaging with your brand in any way. Same with purchasing, you know, is it delivery only? Is it pickup? How do I do pickup? Is there a fee for delivery? Who do you partner with? In the travel and hospitality space, also painting a picture of what that's going to look like now. You know, it's one thing to know that I can book a room at a hotel as of this date, and here's how I book. But also tell me what my stay is going to look like now, because it's not only important that guests know how to book, but also that you can paint a picture of their stay. And so, you know, one of my directives with brands when it comes to all things they do, but especially social media is you can educate or you can entertain. 
And I think right now, really dancing between those two as a brand with all of your messaging, you need to educate and then weave in the storytelling and the entertaining in between to keep telling that story of what this looks like today. And again, we're in the during. So what does this look like in the during for all of us? I had a really interesting conversation lately that talked about that everybody needs to have different level of safety because what you're talking about is the practicality because we're going to be very much on, is this a safe place to go? how it's going to work when I arrive and what do I need to do? They have enough uncertainty. So when they have to make this big, big decision of going out for dinner, you really have to feel that I'm in safe hands before you arrive. So it's not only what's happened inside the restaurant, it's how you communicate, how your booking is happening, how it looks when you come to the front door, how is that controlled and all those things. And I guess that Maslow's hierarchy needs has suddenly gone down to the very, very bottom of them or the first step of safety physical safety and mentally safety and I guess we all have different levels of when we feel safe in that and I think that's what you need to think about in this during phase it really is and and just not missing the practical too you know I was I noticed something last night that I wasn't a big fan of because I work in hospitality and I think that there's so much clarity that can be had and something that happened last night so as I said I live in the, in the heart of Manhattan by the Friends Building in the West Village so there are a lot of really beautiful little restaurants around me and I was walking my dog for her last walk last night, it's like 9.30. And there's a restaurant around the corner from me at a couple of tables outside. One thing I have noticed, I want to pipe in on this because I thought this was interesting and I think the hospitality industry should take note. I noticed last night, because yesterday was the first day that people could dine outside at tables at restaurants. I noticed a lot of people dining alone. And what that tells me is these are people who've been quarantined alone, but they're so tired of cooking. (laughs) And all they wanted was for someone to pour them a glass of wine and hand them a plate of pasta or, you know. So also to be aware, I think we're going to have a lot more solo diners for a little while and to pay extra special attention to them. It is as much as we all like to say we're confident eating alone. And of course, you know, I'm sure many people are. It is still a little bit, sometimes you can feel a little isolated. We've all been isolated for so long. But that was just an awareness point that I saw last night that was significant. You rarely see someone dining alone at a table outside of a restaurant. I saw several last night just in the few restaurants right around my apartment. It's 9.30 last night and I'm walking down the dark street and it's a beautiful neighborhood. I mean, it's lovely. And a young woman was dining alone at a restaurant outside And I just happened to pass by at the moment when she was holding her credit card out and he was saying, oh no, this is cash only. And she's like, oh, is there an ATM nearby? It is late at night. And it's, I mean, this is a very safe neighborhood. This isn't about safety, but it's like, even at the most fundamental level, you need to be communicating lately. No one should eat a meal at your restaurant and not be crystal clear that it's cash only. That is to me, it's, it's, you know, it's rare for restaurants to be cash only and it's perfectly fine, especially right now. Maybe that's something that some restaurants are doing to alleviate credit card fees. No problem, but no one should finish their meal and not know that. And when they sit down, it should be a verbal conversation that's had. By the way, just want to make sure you know we are cash only. If you want me to hold your table for a few minutes while you get cash, happy to do that. But I wanted to let you know now so you could enjoy your meal. So even just fundamentally, before this, we were moving fast and you know business was flowing. It is a new day and we can't bring an old brand and we can't bring old processes into a new world. Not just putting on a mask and wearing gloves and getting back to business, but remembering 
we've all been home for months. We might need to over-communicate, re-communicate, and treat some of our interactions as new again, not just take things for granted or assume people know things. That's a very interesting observation because, again, when you talk about marketing and how you're positioning yourself to these people actually have a need because I, I have a family. I would love to go to a restaurant, but it's not something I have a massive need for because, in a way, it's fine to cook at home still because I'm having a meal together with people around me. I see people every day, but I can imagine if you've been isolated in a flat in a big city London I think you will have in the UK if you take it from the world I'm in right now all big cities as massive opportunities or even smaller regional cities where a lot of people has been on their own for this lockdown they actually feel that just just that feel of getting out as you say and get that serve I think that's a brilliant observation and a big opportunity if you're actually positioning yourself a bit for that also I wouldn't enjoy sitting in a big group with my kids in a restaurant because just keeping them in control would be stressful enough with uh, with all the things that's going on but another interesting thing I was thinking as you were talking about this coming back and one of the things I observed and I don't know if you see it in the same word is that a lot of the business has done really well both locally to me and what I've observed nationally and globally is the brands that already had a story and they went out and told the world why they did it and the founder was in front of this an example for New York is Danny Meyer that's been very aggressive out talking in a positive aggressive way about how they dealt with such a difficult situation when you put people first that you have to lay them off maybe even and and we're very open about those things and i think people are going to remember these things that when the founders of businesses have actually been outstanding in front of it and and what i've sometimes seen in hospitality is that they maybe hide a bit behind the brand instead of being in front of it so what is your view on those businesses that's been really out doing storytelling during the lockdown and right now as founders yeah i mean danny meyer is the gold standard to me in business leadership hospitality leadership i have a tremendous amount of respect for him. I've, uh, I'm a bit of a fangirl, actually. I've seen him speak at a couple of conferences here in New York. And I was at Polite Provisions one morning. That's one of his locations here in the city. It's a cute little breakfast spot, very small. I was there and he was there and it was packed. I mean, true, like it's, it's just so good. And body to body, people in there trying to get to the register and order And he was at the back of the room and he had his phone camera up and he was taking a picture of this packed room. And you know what I loved about that was with all of his success and, you know, his, his, I don't know if he still lives there, but, you know, his home on Gramercy Park and his global respect and being just so renowned in the space, he was still so excited to see his little breakfast place full of people. And, you know, I walked up to him like the true fangirl I am. And I was like, are you Danny? And he said, yeah. I said, I'm such a fan. And we talked for a few minutes. Minutes. I was trying to get him to actually, you're going to laugh. I was trying to get him to start a podcast. He had been on, it was either Gary V or James Altucher's podcast. I want to say it was James as a guest. This was like two or three years ago. And I had just started my podcast. I'd started my company's podcast. And so I said, I just heard you on James Altucher's podcast. And you said you've considered starting one. You really should. It's very easy. And we talked about it for a while. Anyway, that's a side story, but he's just a down to earth stand up guy. You know, the storytelling, again, just coming back to all of it, you can't say it enough. If you're just a logo and a menu, right? Or if you're just a logo and a room with a bed in it, you'll do fine. You know, you won't go out of business, but you won't create the stories of people's lives. 
you know, I look at the special places, the restaurants people propose at. They don't just propose at any restaurant, right? They propose at the one that they want to tell the story for years. They don't just honeymoon anywhere. They honeymoon at the hotel. They want to tell that story for years. So just constantly reminding yourself that this is not transactional. This is human. The meals people eat, the places they choose to spend their precious vacation time and dollars, that means something, you know, and you can be as much a part of that story or as little a part of that story as you choose. And I guess also in in the new world we live now, we have created these savvy consumers. They really have time to, to reflect and study during lockdown all over the world. So, you know, I can already see it now I can hear it from people I know. They're starting asking questions about where's my food from? Why are they serving that food? Where are they getting the, the, the fish from? And all these kind of, you know, just around food questions starting to happen. And how is the supermarket actually treating their staff? There's so many questions that's been asked. And actually, I I'm actually think I'm going to go local instead because I know the owner. I can meet the owner and he, he's a nice guy. And it seems like he cares in a way. And I think these stories, you have to tell these stories as a small or big operator. You need to tell those stories that you care because people are going to look for that now, I guess. Never in history have we felt more connected. I think the number in the US is 119,000 people have died from COVID and they died because a virus was passed in some way from one to another. That's energy. That's connection, right? In the worst way, right? Never have we realized how much we impact each other. Certainly with Black Lives Matter, I don't think Black Lives Matter would have happened if we all weren't so quiet and present because of COVID. I think we would have seen a really upsetting video and been like, wow, that's crazy. Anyway, got to go, got to get to this meeting, got to go to brunch, got to get to happy hour, got to do this, right? But instead, we saw a very upsetting, horrific video. And we sat with it. And because of that, there has been an uprising as there should be. And never have we realized just how phenomenally interconnected we are as humans. Racism is a pandemic. COVID is a pandemic. And a pandemic is just showing us just energetically how connected we are. You know, I had a lot of thoughts during COVID of never in the history of the world has everyone been thinking about the same thing for so long. I would say 9-11 is probably the one time, or maybe the murder of JFK, you know, a couple of moments in time where for a moment in time, everyone in the world was thinking about and talking about the same thing. But even that was for a shorter period, right? For months, the whole world has thought about and talked about one thing. Can you imagine if that same energy and that same human thread was talking about something positive, you know, and what it would do? I mean, even the world is literally vibrating at a different level, literally vibrating at a different level because we don't have as much movement in the world of cars on the streets and things, people walking, things like that. So I think that this permission to pause this moment in time, don't waste it. Never waste a good crisis. I hope we don't go back to normal. I hope. We are all more awake and more aware and know what's essential. I hope we all revamp our business models, how we connect with our guests, how we connect with ourselves, 
what we choose to do, what we choose not to do, how we spend the precious moments of our lives. And as brands, why are you here? You know, use this moment to really say why. Don't take your old marketing plan and sprinkle in gloves and masks and the word post-COVID and move on. If you do that, then why did you even go through this? It's super interesting, but I totally agree. Everybody has the opportunity to, to restart here. You know, we all we all in the same boat. And uh, this is the time now because it's not in six months time and it's not enough just to sprinkle a bit of safety advice on your brand and then you think that'll be fine. I totally agree with you. And I think that you will quickly be found out. It will be quickly be shared. And I don't think I think people are also a bit more become a bit more raw and direct when it comes to sharing these stories because you know they want to make sure that you know we are a bit more connected everyone so you you feel a bit of responsibility to tell if what was standing on the tin didn't really come to to real life when you started using the product or engage with the brand or whatever it happened i think it's going to be brutal but also it's going to be to the good for the consumer and and the planet in in the end and it's super interesting as well to see that you know some company that really made taking a big responsibility in this as well because we all know that this is just one wave of challenge compared to climate change and as as you said really hope that people have thought about things and really want to do things in a different way when we come out here because you know the pandemic pandemic comes from human activities in the wrong way. It sure does. Yeah. I mean, look, who do you want to be on the other side of this? You don't need a pandemic to have permission to pause, by the way. So you can adjust and choose who you are, what your business looks like, your place in the world as a company and as a leader on the other side of this. And the beauty of it is five minutes later, you can choose again. And six months later, you can choose again. We're not static. We're not carved in stone. So you don't need a pandemic to pause and reassess and determine what matters and what you want your place in the world to look like as a business, as an industry, as a leader, and as a human. Faceless brands, they will really be challenged after this, but they, 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 they're still, in my world, they have a chance now to, to reconsider that. But you're right, a leader always has the responsibility to go in and actually ask those questions. That's the role of the leader, actually challenge the perceptions of our status quo. But right now we can all, you know, maybe reset. How is your view on the the future of this uh, hospitality landscape? As you just said, it was the, was yesterday, there was the first day of opening up restaurants in New York and thereby in my world, the world is reopening in any city when that happens because that's community and that's what we're all about and that's what people have been hungering for and thereby hotels and leisure and travel comes after that. But what is your view, uh, if you had to look in a crystal ball, a bit of unfair question, but an interesting from if you look at from a New York point of view? My view is so bright. You know, I have been listening hard during the last hundred days and I've had conversations with so many people and the common thread that I hear over and over is I just want to eat out at a restaurant. I just want to go on vacation. No one's like, oh, I just want another pair of shoes. Oh, I just want another handbag, right? Really, it's amazing that when everything was stripped away, we wanted to come together and we want to explore. And so I really believe that this pandemic and this quarantine has shown so many of us that our nature is to gather and explore. And so creating places to gather, to nourish, to explore an adventure, we are going to have a pent up <laughs> desire and excitement about that. Doing it in the right way, of course, is super important. But I think the future is phenomenally bright. And I don't think you need to have teams in hazmat suits, Cloroxing 
handrails in the middle of lobbies on a 2 p.m. to show everyone it's clean. Certainly there will be new guidelines that we'll all follow. I really feel like cleanliness in restaurants and hotels is going to be the parallel I keep kind of seeing in my mind is like farm to table. So, you know, when farm to table first came out, so to speak, you know, when the concept sort of gathered wind years ago, suddenly everyone was like, oh, we're farm to table. We're farm to, you know, you couldn't look at any menu or talk to anyone about farm to table. And then James Altucher gets really great guests. And it might've been James, I think it was. He talked about his beginnings and, and his Korean background, really fascinating. That he came out with sort of an op-ed a couple years into the farm to table movement. And he was like, yeah, guys, no kidding. You better be, what, what are you getting your turnips from like 8 billion miles away? Like, I would hope you're farm to table. You're a good restaurant with fresh food. And then over time, farm to table just kind of became assumed. Like, well, I would hope my food is fresh and, you know, locally, regionally sourced. And then it was listing the name of the farm and then the name of the cow and the name of the farmer and the, you know, the 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 woman who planted the seeds for the carrots. And like so so I, I see cleanliness and safety following this very similar path. At first, it's going to be shouted from the rooftops, like signs everywhere. Hey, everyone, we're clean. We're safe. We disinfect every three hours. You know, we never repurpose it, all this thing. And then it's going to be like, we have X percent alcohol in our whatever. You know, like it's going to get like more detailed, like naming the farmer. And then it's just going to become expected. I expect that when I eat at a well-run restaurant, that the food is fresh and locally or regionally sourced, right? So I think that cleanliness and the standards and expectations in hotels and restaurants and retail stores, everywhere we go, that's a public gathering place is going to follow similar suit. It's going to be very in our face. And then they're going to even get more detailed. So you feel really good about it. And then it's just going to become expected as a good retail location or restaurant or hotel, that that is just how you operate. So I think we'll see a very similar life cycle with cleanliness. I don't even know if that answered your question, but that was something that was really on my mind when we were talking today. When you run a restaurant, as uh, David Chang said, uh, shouldn't you be you know, aware where your produce come from and shouldn't it be the best quality uh, possible you can provide? And it's these you know, obvious things that comes with hospitality because hospitality is, in my world, I think Danny Meyer called it setting the table. I just call it setting a higher standard. And, and that's why you're in this because you, know, you can set a higher standard that every day you're never done in a way it's a continuous journey no, but it's interesting what you're saying about you know this evolving around cleanliness and safety because I actually if I choose a place I, I already tick that off I don't need to do that but again I guess you know to, to bring people back that you need to do that but again it, maybe it's almost going to be overdone but it's, it's an interesting thought you had there I hadn't thought about it in that way but yeah, you're right yes the bar is high. Here's the thing. This is a Hospitality Mavericks podcast. By choosing to be in hospitality, by choosing to work within the industry, either as a leader, CEO, a founder, a creator, a team member, agency, or an expert, or a consultant, the bar is already high. There is no lower bar in hospitality. It is an industry that starts high. I think of hospitality like I would think of like a professional football player, you show up in shape. There is no out of shape, slow running professional football player, right? Like you show up in shape. The bar is already high. The best start at the beginning. And so with hospitality, I really believe that. I believe by choosing to be in hospitality, your floor is most people's ceiling and you go from there. So your basis, your baseline is most people's best day. 
and you go from there. That's a standard. That's what's expected. I don't question it when I check into a hotel. Their floor is most industry ceiling. It is best in class. I don't question it when I dine at a restaurant. I don't question it when I go to a cocktail bar and enjoy a very fancy, expensive cocktail. Their floor is another industry's ceiling. Best of, best in class is where we begin. The, the, the way you explained that, I thought that, yeah, that's how we should think every day with, with or without a COVID situation. Amy, yourself, because you've been through a bit of a journey as you, you put up in the, in the first of the, the podcast, like a lot of change, you, you, you're launching a lot of new things. How are you keeping yourself sane and positive and in, in balance? I, I'm not super happy about the word balance, but how you actually keep on moving in all this because you could just sit down and give up, but you must do something really incredible to keep that kind of energy and focus you're having. Thank you. Yeah, I would love to share what I do. And I'm going to be very honest and, and tactical here for your listeners. Bear in mind, I don't have children. And, you know, I, I have so many friends at home with children. And, and that is, you know, homeschooling and e-learning and keeping them entertained and educated and excited and moving on top of everything. So, you know, this is coming from, I will say, like the position of someone who has full control over her days and her time. So take this with a grain of salt if you're listening and rolling your eyes to just pick one of these things, if even that's a good starter. But a couple of things I've done to be really centered, grounded, and clear during this. Number one, I cut out all alcohol when this happened. I always have been a very social drinker, four to five drinks a week on a big week. Like not a big drinker, you know, a couple nights out, a couple drinks a night. I didn't realize until I stopped drinking how even a couple of drinks pulled me from working at 100% to working at 90%. And when COVID hit, you know, I worked in hospitality. I mean, I was right in the middle of the complete, you know, fallout and free fall. I remember just thinking in one little moment of clarity, I said, there's not a lot I can control right now, but what I can control is how I feel. And one thing I know for sure is that drinking brings out anxiety in me and it pulls me back a little bit on energy and clarity. So if I can do one thing, I'm just going to not drink. Now, I thought that was going to be for two weeks. I thought we would be done with coronavirus two weeks later. I did not know it would be 100 days of no drinking. I did drink on Cinco de Mayo. I had two margaritas and I immediately regretted it on Seis de Mayo. So I have also learned my lesson there. I will drink again. But during quarantine and during the launch of my companies, I've made the conscious decision to cut out all alcohol because for me, it just doesn't do me any favors. Weight gain and anxiety are my two big results from and because I am not as fit as I was at the beginning of this, my gym shut down and I love a gym. I really am struggling with home workouts and I have this puppy. So leaving her and working out outside wasn't as easy. I'm not doing as much fitness. So also just watching my diet was big. So with that, I am in bed by 10 or 1030 every night, lights out. I'm up around six in the morning. I go for a long walk and then I do what I call the sacred six. So I reset the house. Resetting the house is, you know, make the bed, wash the dishes, put the few things away, like make sure that because I am working at home, my home looks and feels like a nice place to be. And then from there, I drink a bulletproof coffee. I get bulletproof coffee from the bulletproof brand. You can get it on Amazon. I like the mocha. It is coffee with grass fed butter and MCT oil in it. So it's got a lot of healthy fats. It gets your brain going. You also have the caffeine, but 
It's hard to explain. Regular coffee, which I also do drink, kind of can make me jittery and make my heart race. But Bulletproof coffee just gives me this beautiful, strong rise. So I drink some of that. I journal. And my journaling trick is that I start every journal entry with the words, if I was really being honest. I learned that from a coach named Amy Young, and it has absolutely changed the way I journal. And the most fascinating revelations have come out of that. So I journal starting with, if I was really being honest, I've also learned about EFT tapping and I do that for about five minutes. And then sometimes I'll also do a quick meditation. All of this takes 30 minutes at the most. It sounds like a lot, but it's really not. And when I do this, it takes me 30 minutes, but I easily add two to three hours of productivity and clarity to my day. So I look at it as the piggy bank, you know, of investment in my day. So I call it the sacred six and I start every morning with my 30 minutes of my sacred six. So anyone who's listening, you could even look at this and go, okay, I'm going to take 30 minutes each morning. And what are six things that I could do that would get my day started on a good start? That could be 10 minutes of stretching. That could be meditation. It could be breath work. I really like Wim Hof. YouTube is your best friend right now. All of this is free on YouTube. I do my EFT tapping videos from YouTube. I do my yoga from YouTube. I do my breath work from YouTube, um, meditations, everything. And then I really like the Waking Up app. It's with Dan Harris. And if you look at the fine print, they are offering one year of the Waking Up app, which is about $185 value. They offer it for free. Look at the fine print on the app store. You just email them and they'll give you a code for one year free because Dan doesn't believe that if anyone can't afford meditation that they should have to pay for it. So that's a gift from them to you. So if you're in a position where you don't have $185, but you really want a year of meditation, I highly recommend it. And it's their gift to you for free. You know, you have to try out different things. I have my own rituals as well, but I totally agree with you. I call it reset or getting priming, I call as well, getting the day started is very, very essential for having, you know, productive time in these times because there's so much noise that wants to come in to you and so much emotion so the only thing you can do is to to get yourself ready for every day it's a bit like going in playing a high intensive elite sports game like an nba game where you you're pushing every day very hard you're playing very high level there's no time to be on your your low game you have to play your best game every day and i think you know what you talked about there is actually getting ready for that every day because then you can better manage the setbacks which will be in this situation win now there will be setbacks that's out of your control but you'll be better at managing it because you're in the right energy state absolutely there's someone said once like if you don't think you have 10 minutes a day to meditate then take 20 like you need more if you don't think you can do a little bit it tells you that you need more i think it was coco chanel her rule was right before you walk out the door take off one piece of jewelry kind of the rule was always that every woman puts on just a little too much jewelry so her rule was take off one piece right before you walk out the door and so what i will also do is look at my day and my to-do list and I'll take off one thing. There's always something that is just clutter. It's just extra and it's not necessary. Whether it's a call that I scheduled three weeks ago that just isn't effective at this point, not necessary. Or if it's an errand that I thought I had to run, but I really don't need to, you know, whatever. But take off one piece of jewelry, look at your day and take off one thing. There's usually one thing you can take off and it's not going to impact anything except it's just going to give you maybe that half an hour that you need to do your sacred six in the morning. Yeah, and I think it's also about, you know, prioritizing rising you know that is a, one of the things you need to do it's it's one of the fundamentals I don't think uh, there's a guy from the US I like a lot called Michael Jordan I think everybody knows who that is but he talks a lot about 
playing on your fundamentals instead of all the other things. Are you on top of your fundamentals every day? Have you done your your rebound and your one pointers enough times, you know, to be ready to to move on your basic things in principle? So getting your fund foundation in place. I, I like that approach you have there. In the end of the podcast, we're getting there, Amy. I would like, you know, a guest to say what kind of three top advice would you give a leader in the in the industry right now or any leader in the world of business they should go and reflect on or go doing? What is your three top advice right now? I know they can change in a week time, but from the knowledge we have today. Set up your business with the assumption that we'll be on lockdown again in fall. So are you prepared? You know, dig the well before you're thirsty. Pretend like I am from the future. And I'm telling you right now that on November 23rd, we will go into another round of 60 days of lockdown. Just pretend like it's going to happen and act as if. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very interesting. Other things? We've talked so much throughout this podcast about it. Who do you want to be on the other side of this? What is your place in the industry? Throw out the rule book. Don't bring an old brand to a new world. My biggest worry is that a lot of hospitality leaders are going to try to take an old brand, an old way of working, an old business model and jam it into a new world. Never have we ever been through a human revolution like this. Don't take this lightly. This isn't just a pause and a restart. This is a new world. And just like if you were dropped on Mars, you wouldn't just try to bring your Earth you know, brand to Mars. Start clean, get fresh, look at the new world we're in, the brand you have and the place you have in this world. Adjust where needed and look at this with fresh eyes. This isn't about 10% different. And I think that would be my biggest advice is almost pretend like you're starting again. That's a super, super interesting. I could be concerned about that some leaders out there would take their, their old model or approach the thing and try to shoehorn it into the new world. Because I've asked certain of the people I work with, so what is your plan if we you have to close again? What do you mean? Lockdown happens again because there is already signs around the world and in, in the US where you are, I thought Florida had quite a setback again. There's an opportunity for, for us all that we have to do this again. How is your business ready for that at that point then? What have you done that is different to be more ready than you were last time? Dig the well before you're thirsty. Dig the well before you're thirsty. Prepare now. Worst case, you're so prepared. Best case, you're prepared and like you ride it out. But like, you know, your worst case is you prepared for something that didn't happen, but I can't see any preparation being a loss. And then also, man, eyes on the road. You know, this is really interesting. A few weeks ago, consumers were actively responding to digital ads that talked about safety and we're in this together. And, you know, we're all in this together. They, they were very much responding to ads like that. So, you know, there are these companies that do all this testing. Like within three days, those ads got almost no response. No one cared anymore. Now they wanted details. When do you open? What does this look like? Like with your digital campaign? I mean, I've got what I think is one of the best digital marketing teams in the US. They're one of the best. They work on a month to month basis. 96% of clients they had five years ago are still with them. Here's why. They are so hungry. They have to prove every month that they're worth that retainer again. And they never take a break. Your ad strategy, your marketing strategy, your messaging should never take a break. You can't even create something and think that two weeks later, it's still going to be relevant. Eyes on the road. You can't take your eyes off the road right now. Things are changing daily. So be in it or have the right team whose sole job is to bob and weave and adjust and hit new marks every single day based on consumer behavior. And that, that's an interesting approach as well, because it's like a muscle. 
everything you do in business, the, all your, your systems and so on are like a muscle and you, you need to be trained all the time and, and question, are we actually doing this as the, as the highest standard? Again, coming back to standards. So amazing conversation, Amy. Thank you so much for uh, having the time and coming on and sharing your, your thoughts and, and view on, on the world and your great advice here in the end. I uh, wish you all the the power and luck and energy you need to, to succeed in your new new normal or the new new world or new paradigm or whatever we call it but i'm sure i'm sure it's gonna go well thank you so much i have never felt clearer or more excited about the future ahead and the unity of humanity i'm here for it i'm ready i'm excited to be a part of it thank you amy what a great conversation about how you can utilize the power of storytelling as a brand in these times as well as some great advice how to navigate the storm if you enjoyed today's podcast please give us a like share rate or subscribe to one of our channels if the subject around pr and branding interests you i would recommend you also to visit our previous episode episode 12 creating an authentic brand with Mark McCulloch. Thanks to Let's Talk Video Production for your support on the podcast. Tune in next time for another interview. And in the meantime, find out more about us and subscribe to our newsletter at hospitalitymavericks.com. Thanks for listening and be maverick.